All right. Good evening. It's evening for us here. Everyone, welcome to Talking Smack with Never Monday. And our third episode. Tonight we are talking playing live and stage fright. I'm Steven. I'm here with Katie. Hey. Mac. Hey. And Gary. Hey. And we're just going to talk all about our own personal practices with getting ready for a show, how we all deal with nerves, and the way we prep ourselves for that. So uh, the first thing I want to ask is, do you have stage fright? Who wants to go first? Mac can go first. Mac has stage fright. Uh, I've had it ever since I first started performing in uh, the fifth grade with band and I was playing my trumpet and I didn't know whether or not I was actually going to throw up into the horn or not. That's how nervous I was. <laughs> and while the anxiety for performing has gone down from that, I still get really anxious before shows because what if I mess up? What if everyone's looking at me and I make a funny face? Like, what if all these irrational things happen? So naturally, in both the shows we've played, I've put you, like, out front. Right in front, yeah. <laughs> um, the only consolation that I have taken uh, from from that is that nobody's looking at me. Like, I am not the most important thing in the band, so nobody's watching me. That's what gets me through the performances, knowing that <laughs> I'm not Top Gun. Wouldn't it help at the hospital to have these real cool barf bags? I could just pack one of those in my instrument case and bring that with me. Do time. it, yeah. Okay. yeah. I'll remember that next just time. Just hold it out in front of you. Yeah, yeah that'll just help. Just in case. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> hang it off your horn. Thanks, Gary. The once said, when you have a stomach bug, you got the blues. <laughs> so I never... Yeah, he pulled me aside and he said, you got a stomach bug, you got the flu. <laughs> so I don't usually um, think I'm going to have stage fright I'm always like I've performed lots of times, I'll be fine and then I get up there and get in front of everybody and then I'm like oh, I'm really you. nervous <laughs> dang it and then so then I'm like I don't know if it's a good thing because I don't get nervous beforehand but it um, I don't prepare for it either because I don't think it's going to happen and then happens and it kind of catches me off guard. Nice. Apologies if you hear the wind in the background. Naturally, it's we're it's windy outside tonight and we're smoking cigars so we're outside. And Speaking it's windy. of which, we'll continue in just a second with our stage fright stories, but I would be remiss if I didn't say what are we smoking tonight? I am personally smoking the Romeo y Julieta Vintage in number 7.5, which is pretty much a Churchill size. By the way, if you hear flames in the background, we have a fire going as well. So yeah, it's windy and there's a fire. Two things to to distract you from what's actually going down. Don't let that happen. <laughs> what are you smoking, Mac? Um, something short and brown. <laughs> I believe what I uh, got you was the uh, Ramon Bueso... Olancho 2005 Vintage. Isn't that what I said? Yeah, yeah it's essentially same thing. <laughs> yeah. What you said. What am I smoking? Oh, read it. It's the uh, Partagas Cifuentes Maduro, I think. 
Yeah. Hmm. Toro size. Cool. And I'm smoking, I believe it's a Churchill size. Uh, they call it Imperial Presidente. Oh. It's a Churchill. It's a Gurkha <laughs> Black Dragon. Gurkha Black Dragon. Those are my favorites, by yeah. the way. You're smoking my last one. Yeah, I owe him. <laughs> like Giving I said, remember who your friends are. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's your experience with stage fright, Dad? Well, um, I try to remind myself, something I learned in Toastmasters, that if I'm not um, nervous when I go up to speak, then it all hits me. Mm-hmm. So I try to allow myself to be nervous ahead of time. Mm-hmm no matter how bad it gets and then it kind of like gets out of my system so then when I get up there it helps doesn't mean I'm not still nervous but once I start playing the nervousness leaves I like a little bit of nervousness they in Toastmasters they call it making your butterflies fly in formation because okay. <laughs> if yeah. you like totally get rid of it you lose that energy you lose the focus because mm-hmm. it causes adrenaline to flow which is a good thing mm-hmm. if you can control it yeah. So it's learning to control it that's the key, not getting rid of it. Yeah. Yeah, I can think I think I can count on one hand all the times I've actually been nervous before a show. I had stage fright. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I always get some sort of like jitters, but not like the nervous kind, more like the anticipation mm-hmm. sort of thing. Uh, the first time I got actual stage fright was when I was and playing in front of like a large crowd for the first time <laughs> back in uh, high school and then the second time was in college for his little coffee house thing and it was really random and I think maybe I was having an off week because uh, I started a song and then stopped halfway through because I was doing a sound check but the audience didn't know it was a sound check <laughs> And so then I never, I never got them back after that. They were clapping along and everything for the first half of the tune. And then I stopped because I was sound checking. They thought that the concert had started, and I I didn't recover the audience for that show. Oh, that's a bummer. Yeah. Yeah, So, yeah, that that wasn't so good. Uh, So we, besides that though, I'm always just so jazzed to play for shows. I'm, I'm weird that way in the sense that I don't really get stage fright. I get like stage anticipation. You get jazzed for jazz shows or other shows as well? Uh, actually, <laughs> you know, I get jazzed for everything but jazz shows. Oh, okay. You know, <laughs> jazz show, I, I go there and I'm just like, Not someone jazzed. just inject alcohol straight into my arm or something so I can bear being here. Jazz is cool, okay? Like, it's not as cool as the blues, but if you got the right jazz songs, then. Yeah. Okay. It's true, like it's true. It's just a lot of the groups I've seen are just so unbelievably boring. Like that one group that uh, Katie and Gary and I, we all saw at uh, this place called Rhythm and Rye, downtown Olympia. They got there and they were like technically awesome, but yeah. everything was just kind of like... Bland? It yeah, was like bland. people who do math for fun. Yeah, so much of jazz, it just seems like technical exercises, like they got a book in front of them. Yeah, like I said, it was like people who do math for fun. I don't understand those people. Uh I like the older, older stuff, like big band, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's the kind I don't. She's like Mackenzie. (laughs) She does math for fun. Just so formulaic. So yeah, that that was that. All right, well let's uh, let's move on into this idea. How do you cope with it? 
because stage fright is a very real phenomena. There's some very famous rock stars and players who have unbelievable stage fright. For instance, uh, Van Morrison famously had stage fright. He would do things like put his head between his knees and stare at the drums in the middle of shows because he was so nervous. Uh, and Jim Morrison, who definitely did not really struggle with stage fright, he kind of existed on the stage himself as a personality, fed off of it. Uh, he saw that and thought he thought Van Morrison was just being weird and adopted that kind of thing into his stage antics. But Van Morrison was just trying not to puke. Um, you know, Billy Joe Armstrong famously uh, had a meltdown on stage because of alcohol and pill abuse that he was using to medicate to deal with his own stage fright. So there's lots of famous artists that deal with this. My question is for all of you. How do you manage your stage fright? I think for me, um, if I can focus on putting on a show and performing, that helps. I grew up dancing and um, in classical ballet and all that. And it was, you know, smiling and communicating with the audience and just pouring the energy into what I was doing and performing. Um, that really helped and so I, I carry that over into you know when I'm we were playing a show last night and if I if I would get nervous I would focus on okay like you know smile at somebody in the audience or like or you know pose or like do you know do something kind of showy yeah. or showmanship like and um, that that seems to help take mm -hmm. my mind off the off the nervousness yeah it actually helped when I soloed to walk up to the mic a bit so it's just kind of more an intentional thing mm -hmm. yeah what about you, Mac? How do you deal with stage fright? Um, I pretend I don't have stage fright. <laughs> um, a lot of people say, oh yeah, just picture everyone in the audience in their underwear. And I tried that once and it just made me more anxious because like, why are they all staring at me in their underwear? Yeah. <laughs> uh, I always thought that was a really awful... Yeah, that's like the opposite of what you want to do. You know? Especially, like, what if you're kind of like one of those pervy sorts of people, too? <laughs> Picture the audience in their underwear. Okay, well, now I'm even more embarrassed on stage. <laughs> we probably shouldn't follow that line of thought any further. <laughs> not, not on a family phone. That's family. it. That's it. Don't say anymore. So, how, how do you... If that doesn't work, what do you do? Self-pep talks and breathing exercises. I tend to hyperventilate when I'm nervous, like my breathing gets really doesn't shallow and fast. It doesn't, no. So uh, in high school, I learned some breathing exercises from my band teacher, and I just practice those. I do them over and over. They're silent. No one knows you're doing them, but it makes you feel better because it slows down your breathing. It gets your heart rate at a normal pace. That and uh, self-pep talks, I just talk to myself like, yeah, you can do this. You're, you're a big boy. You got this, you know? Mm -hmm. so. That's a good point, because if you get nervous, then you lose your warm air, mm -hmm. and then you lose your sound, and yep. then that makes you more nervous. Everything yeah. goes so, kaput, I mean, yeah. Air is, for us horn players, air is everything. So. Yeah. Well, and that's it. I don't, I don't deal with stage fright nearly as much when I'm playing guitar, but if I'm singing, I know that if I get nervous, then I clench up, and then it affects my voice, and then I get more nervous. So the, the fear of that happening creates mm -hmm. some some stage fright in and of itself and so mm -hmm. I do way better when I'm playing an instrument mm -hmm. <laughs> playing piano or, or playing guitar because 
if I'm singing, then uh, That's yeah. true. The voice would be very similar because you close off your throat mm. and then you lose your voice. Same with the mm -hmm. horn. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about you, Gary? How do you deal with stage fright? Well, like I said, just from the Toastmaster experience, that's, that really helps. I don't get as frightened playing as I do speaking, but um, the exercise that I, mental exercise that I go through helps. How are you managing it right now? Right now? Speaking to an audience of millions? threes. <laughs> <laughs> Not yet, millions. Yeah. <laughs> We're getting there. <laughs> working on it. <laughs> well, focusing on what you're trying to do, I think, is, is redirecting your focus away from nervousness towards what you're trying to accomplish, right? Mm -hmm. So if you're focusing on your music, what you're supposed to play, um, my biggest problem is I lose focus. So like looking out the audience or I start thinking about something else. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. You know? yeah. And then I'm like, okay, <laughs> do I still remember where I am in the music? You know? yeah. If I, I can keep focused on the music, then it really helps. I was just telling Steven the other night that uh, <coughs> I think my superpower is my ability to zone out in extreme circumstances. <laughs> I could yeah. be playing in front of this huge audience, and then I start zoning out, and I'm like, what are you doing? You're in front of a whole bunch of people. <laughs> I shouldn't be thinking about my breakfast right Yeah. <laughs> There's definitely a picture from our show last night where I could see that on your face. <laughs> yeah. You're just like <laughs> Yeah. La La Land probably thinking about uh, distraction know. last night was the TV. The TV. On oh the yeah. Side of the I was wall. so distracted. I kept seeing that and I'm like there's a TV commercial going while we're playing. Um, and then the lamp that was right next to my head as my head was starting <laughs> to burn up. <laughs> yeah, I uh, I was like really what is going on? You know. Uh, I also was really kind of distracted when one of the owners came out uh, with this balloon guitar. Oh, right. Oh, right, yeah. yeah. yeah is that a real guitar? Or no, it's a, yeah. it's a balloon. Uh, a a blow-up, like, float yeah. guitar. Like, the thing you get she at, like, dancing. Capital Lake Fair or something like yeah, that. Yeah, pretty she was funny. dancing with it. Right? Yeah. And I thought, like, oh, that's kind of cool if you do it for a little while, but she came out there for, like, one second and then turned around and went away. And I was like, what, did I suck or something? <laughs> yeah. yeah, is that a comment? Well, she playing? was working, so yeah. she was like, but... She did that with another band, too. She just she was working behind the bar, and she grabbed her little air guitar thing and ran out there that was pretty and danced around and came out. One thing yeah. I was going to say about um, just coping with stage fright is I think one of the biggest things um, is just knowing your music inside and out. If you are unsure, like, there's way too many times in college where I'd be like, oh, yeah, I can learn this piece in a week or a couple weeks in performance, and... And then perform it, and it really didn't matter how good I got at the song. If I hadn't lived with it for a few weeks, I would get super nervous. So the, yeah. the more you are comfortable with your music and just knowing it inside and out makes a huge difference. I agree. I try to go through our songs beforehand, like the, the coming days beforehand, just going through them mm -hmm. over and over again um, just to get that frame of mind of what we're doing yeah. rather than just my normal exercises. Mm-hmm. For me, uh, whenever I feel, you know, jittery or nervous, I try to focus on something like the task at hand, and not just like focusing on, okay, I'm playing now, but like setting up where people are and getting, making sure our levels are good. Busying myself um, with those jitters, using them as energy to make the setup uh, as well as can be 
the other thing is if I find myself nervous, and like I said, it's only happened a couple times, I plant my feet firmly together, I stare at my shoes, breathe out and count to 10. Always worked for me. Uh, it's, a, it's a classic little thing that people were like, oh, that's, that's cliche, but it's always worked for me. Yeah, and all right, so we've talked stage fright and everything. Let's do uh, a bit of a left turn here. Uh, as you might have heard us say, we performed last night at a place called the Oli Underground with a really great uh, band, Black Shepherd. Mm -hmm. You can check them out on Facebook as Black Shepherd. They're also uh, Black Shepherd Wa, W-A, on Instagram. And Snapchat. And Snapchat. And they're really excellent. They're out of uh, Aberdeen. Aberdeen. And uh, really good stuff. <laughs> we played with uh, Lemmings, another local Olympia band. Kind of a Foo Fighters-y, Coldplay-ish sort of sound. So if you're a fan of that kind of alt-rock, look them up as well. Um, and the Oli Under Underground is a great uh, mm -hmm. little dive bar in downtown Olympia. Live music all the time. And we had a lot of fun. Good food, too. Really good food, yeah. And beer that's reasonable. It's not like seven bucks... Uh, pint at like most concert venues it's like average price um, but we had a great time there last night and one of the things I wanted to direct this conversation towards was uh, everyone's feelings about what's it like to perform because there's plenty of people who could listen to this podcast I'm sure and think yeah I have stage fright I want to learn how to manage that cool we talked about that there's also, we know, plenty of musicians who have never performed and are always looking for the opportunity to do it and may not know uh, what to expect or they have no idea what to do or how to do it. And there's even, I know, plenty of musicians that Katie and I both know as guitar teachers that uh, never expect to perform. They learn music and then they're like, no, I don't want to do a recital, I don't want to play for other people and I always thought like what's the point of learning an instrument if you're not going to play it for people I mean you could do it for personal enrichment but are you going to just play by yourself in your room with nobody listening for the rest of your life no you, you want to you music is meant to share and so every musician at some point is going to be thrust into the uh, situation in which they're playing for someone else, whether it's just another family member or actually in a uh, concert setting for an audience. And since one of our big things is being a live band, Never Monday was conceived as a band that would play extremely well live, that was one of our goals, I want everybody here to see if we can talk about their experience playing live. How's it different from practicing? How's it different than just playing in a group in practice? And what are some things that you should expect newcomers to playing live should expect when they actually go out and play a show? Well, when you're practicing, mistakes are fine, and you learn from your mistakes. But of course, when you're performing live, you don't want to be making mistakes. 
but you will still learn from them no matter what. <laughs> yeah, you will you still will. learn. Well, yeah. <laughs> it just might be a, a harder learning experience. Yeah, the wrong way to learn. Sometimes there's just things you don't think about that you do when you're practicing, even if it's just, you know, like taking a little break to get some water or um, like writing a note to yourself. One time um, I used to do a lot of <clears throat> playing on worship teams, and I can remember one time I was we were doing a service we were in the middle of the service we were you know playing for people and i like stopped to write myself a note on my sheet of paper <laughs> so i was like oh wait we're not in practice we're playing in front of people dang it oh, oh man i don't think you've ever told me that story <laughs> i don't know if i would have let you into the group <laughs> it was just once i think it was in high school i mean it was but you know it's like i don't know you um it's just a different mindset and um, so there's some things that catch you off guard sometimes when you, especially if you're playing for the first time that you don't anticipate, like, you know, if I get, you know, an itch on my face, I can't just stop and scratch it. Like, you got to mm -hmm. keep playing. And so um, there's just some, some different technicalities about <laughs> playing live. Yeah. Well, on the stage last night, I kept, there was a guitar stand next to my foot and a cord, and I kept bugging me that mm -hmm. something was next to my foot. Mm -hmm. There's all these distractions and the heat lamp next to my face, and uh, yeah, you're doing. You have to deal with those kinds of distractions live that you don't when you're practicing. Mm -hmm. Speaking yeah, of heat lamps, it's always hotter on stage than you think it is. Oh yeah. And the thing is, I don't care if it's negative three degrees outside. Once you're on stage, you will be burning up. Wear a t-shirt. Wear shorts. Don't dress heavy for the weather that's outside. You're gonna be inside, and you're gonna die if you're wearing. What, like an inch thick jacket and jeans? That's very true. Um, well, when we play Lake Fair, we may be burning up, so just naturally from the sun. Right, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the outdoor stuff. This would be especially bad for me because I'm a vampire. Um, you weren't supposed to tell anyone. Shh, no one's going to believe me. Right. <laughs> now they'll believe you. <laughs> well,. Yeah, that, that's one thing I, I definitely agree with. It's always hot on stage. You always expend much more energy than you expect to, and you'll feel like you just took a shower in some cases. You dress your sweat. That was like me last night. Part of it is just because when you're on stage, lights, mm -hmm. so many different uh, powered appliances that are uh, using, putting off a bunch of heat and a bunch of... Uh, electricity it's always going to be hot on stage you know and this is you know before the boy band gets up <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah that's uh, that's a good takeaway um, one of the biggest things about performing that you have to um, practice doing is just if you make a mistake to just keep going because mm -hmm. we're yeah. so used to in practice we're so used to stopping when we make a mistake and right. fixing it and you just can't right. do that when you're performing so you have to practice doing that you have to practice just continuing to keep going if you make a mistake mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah my last uh sax teacher kept getting on me if i was doing some kind of exercise for him i'd stop to go correct and he goes just keep going just keep going just press on through it mm -hmm. i mean when you're sitting in your practice room that's fine but um you have to get used to just pressing on mm -hmm. yeah absolutely and mistakes do happen live mm -hmm. they do happen and the best musicians are the ones 
that act like nothing happened. In my senior recital, I made a mistake in my opening piece, and it was the easy one. Like, I opened with an easy piece on purpose, and I made a mistake in that piece, and it, it totally threw me for the entire recital, because I was like, you know, I and I was able to keep going, but it was like, um, just mentally. So you have to learn to get, get over stuff like that, mm -hmm. and not let it bug you for the rest of your performance, because it doesn't have to. Jimmy Abersall used to say, if you hit a wrong note, go repeat it then people will think it's on purpose. Mm -hmm. I, I could never do that, though. <laughs> like, what was that wrong note? Let's find that again. Yeah. yeah exactly. <laughs> Another thing you got to do is know your audience. Like, I was in school band for almost the entirety of my trumpet playing career. And most of the time, the parents there, they had eight kids. This was their millionth band concert. They really didn't care how it went. They were just there to support their kid. They weren't really paying attention. They're all like stony, stoic-faced, you know, you know, they weren't really into the music. Mm -hmm. But playing with a blues band is different because the audience is... Drunk? <laughs> yes, exactly, yeah. They have more pep in their step, we'll say that. They're invested. Not, they're yeah. invested, yeah. <laughs> uh, so just knowing your audience, like, what you do is different. Like, when you're playing for a school band, you just... Be confident and play what you play what you want to play. When you're playing with a rock band, have fun. If you don't have fun, then no one else is going to have fun. Right. It's going to be way too boring, and no one's going to get into it. It does help when the audience is into it. I mean, like when I play for a church that they're all stoic, yeah, versus Pentecostal church where you know they're all getting into it yeah. and they're worshiping, and you're like, okay, then you're able to worship and yeah. you're able to play better too. Mm -hmm. Yeah, sometimes the Pentecostal churches get a little too into it though. You know, what with, like, the, like, semi-ballet dancing. <laughs> yeah. Stop. When we were in college, we had a, a chapel, like, twice a week, three times a week. Twice a week. And there was always this one girl. Uh, I, I don't remember her name. I don't think I ever actually met her. But there's always this one girl who was, like, way in the back of the auditorium during the worship set doing, like, these clearly homegrown ballet moves in like these big dresses that were obviously also homemade and it was it was trippy man <laughs> you know you should see in downtown seattle when bands are playing and you get people out there that are kind of wasted on something they're just kind of flowing around and, you know, <laughs> right up next to the stage and <laughs> yeah that's a and, and that's a thing that happens you know at bars too if you're one of those groups that finds yourself playing in a bar setting, uh, which is most startup groups have to start there, uh, you will get drunk dancing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I'm not here to tell you to take it as an encouragement or discouragement, but the best thing to do is to carry on like you don't see it. <laughs> you know, some of the worst mistakes you can make in the world is calling out audience members by name when they're intoxicated you know don't point out the person who is half drunkenly dancing right in front of the stage because that's just actually kind of a douchebag thing to do you know you're not big enough or popular enough where if you call somebody out they'll be like oh this famous person talked to me and called out to me from the stage you know when you're making millions of dollars and playing for stadiums of thousands Doing that is cool, but when you're in a bar band, 
don't do it, man. That's just <laughs> that's my advice. Don't do that. Uh, but speaking of which, that that leads into uh, building rapport with your audience. That's a big deal uh, when you play live. Is building a rapport with your audience. You got to know how to work the crowd. Because if you get up there and you stony faced and you play your music, no matter how good it is, people will not have fun. You have to have an energy. Mm-hmm. So I channel that energy myself just by, like, I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. I'm going to show that I'm having fun. Mm-hmm. I move around. I get crazy when I solo and things like that. That's pretty natural for me. Uh, how do you all channel your energy for your shows? you connect with the audience you know okay you're talking about purposely smiling at somebody in the audience let's start there how do you uh build your energy for live shows and connect with the can audience? i add something here i like to do the jack black thing and jump out on the, the floor this you know <laughs> help the bunch of people catch me <laughs> crowd sir mm-hmm. yeah you know, in, in other news we're actually going to get a new sax player Bye, <laughs> <laughs> <Hi>, gary <laughs> Um, I try and imagine myself communicating the message of the music, whether that be something more serious, um, or something, um, you know, really lighthearted or just the energy of what we're trying to portray in our music. I imagine myself communicating that to the audience, whether that's facial, you know, expressions or just my body language. Um, I imagine that I'm telling the audience a story and I'm wanting to draw them in. So obviously I'm not saying anything or yelling at them or whatever. I'm, I'm still playing my instrument and doing my thing, but I'm, you know, adjusting my mannerisms so that I'm, you know, I kind of tell myself a story in my head and, and try and communicate that to the audience in my head so that that comes out through my, my mannerisms. What kind of story do you try to tell? <laughs> A good one. I don't know. <laughs> it's like Lord of the Rings epic or what? Uh, no, I, I was thinking more along the lines of just um, outlines and emotional energy and general ideas, but you know. Mm. <laughs> Mac, what about you? Um, like Katie said, I try to make eye contact with some of the audience. And I know no one's looking at me because I'm just the trumpet player. I'm not the lead guitarist, the lead singer, not even the bass player. Uh, but I try to make eye contact with someone. And then I do like a little eyebrow wiggle to like let them know that I see them. Or <laughs> I like do, do the horns with your fingers and then no, no jam, out to the, jam out to the mm-hmm. music. Like do a little booty wiggle, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I have fun so that they know it's okay to have fun. That's good, assuming, like, the things that you just described don't, like, really creep them out. I mean, <laughs> I would know, hope not. You know, like, wiggle your eyebrows and your booty at the same time. And I don't like, do that. That's too... I, I can't, I can't do more than one thing at once. It's <laughs> too much coordination. <laughs> yeah. Gary, what about you? Uh, I don't know. You do to connect with the audience. I need to practice on connecting with the audience, I think. I get so focused on the music. It'll help if I get out of the stand and get the, the music memorized. Yeah. Well, I imagine it is tall, you know, to connect with the people that are closer to the earth. Yeah. You know. And you <laughs> well, stand like a foot taller than most people. I think I'm afraid of getting distracted by something in the audience. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I was noticing that last night I felt like I was looking at the fretboard too much. Mm-hmm. Like, I was 
yeah, it's like my safety zone, you know? And, like, I know the music. I don't need to look. I Like, obviously, you need to. I need to see where my fingers are going. Right but. back to the safety zone. There's a reason that wasn't a hit. <laughs> <laughs> but I wanted to um, bring back, you mentioned the stand, getting out of the stand. And that's a huge thing. When you see it, you know, it's one thing for a couple members. Like, we've had this discussion. Like, horn players oftentimes do have stands. But when you've got, when every band member has a music stand, that's a huge barrier between mm-hmm. you and your, your audience. So if you... Um, that's something you can do that's simple, you know, it, it, I know it's hard to memorize music sometimes, but it makes a huge difference in your appearance and your ability to connect with the audience. If, if you've got a bunch of music stands, it's just, it looks unprofessional, and it, like I say, it puts this huge barrier up. Um, and so, Ellen, Ellen Jackson yeah. had a tip, though, he said if, if you, the producer in Nashville, he said if you do have a music stand, try to make it, like, uh, mm-hmm. horizontal. You don't want to make it like vertical, so mm-hmm. there's this wall between you and the audience. If you mm-hmm. make it fairly horizontal, they won't really notice it. Yeah. It's just this flat plane between. You can kind of, if you put it as low as you can, with still being able to see it, right. flatten it out and right. put it off to the side a little bit, mm-hmm. so that it's not blocking you. You can you can do it so that it so that it works, but especially if you're a front man, like you got to memorize your music. Mm-hmm. A front woman. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and. You know, that's like what happened last night. Um, one of the things I did was I walked up to Mac and he had his music up like eye level, which is what you're supposed to do, <laughs> you know, for good posture and practice and everything. But he was like right in the front of the group. So I like pushed it all the way down and he gives me this like really sad look. <laughs> yeah, I like to hide. I'm not one for like put me front and center like don't do that i'll i'll probably die (laughs) yeah so i survived last night so maybe i won't die who knows yeah well all all good things um i I personally just i love to move around a lot i get really uh fancy feet i perform I, i move around i i tend to kind of jump up and down a little bit which is interesting given my girth and (laughs) He would say, you made me very friendly friends with the ATM machine I was standing next to last night. Because you kept I... stepping closer to me, and I kept having to scooch over. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I, I've always been told I have a pretty engaging and natural stage presence. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just the thing I love most in the world. And that's kind of when I cap, want to cap off this discussion, particularly, is that performing can be some of the most fun that you have in the world, and it can be one of the most mm-hmm. addicting drugs. Um I don't think I remember a time that I didn't love performing. Mm-hmm. Always have just kind of gotten my kicks by doing that. So we're about at the end of this podcast. I want to do one little thing. The uh, Mac tradition. Oh, yeah. We were talking about. Do kind of a crazy icebreaker question. Last time we asked you, what's your favorite Joe Bonamassa song? Uh... In this case, I want to ask you if you could meet any player of your instrument that ever lived and just have a jam session, have coffee, whatever, um, who would they be and what would you ask them? You know, who would they be 
and what would you ask them about? Does it have to be someone who plays your instrument? Because I don't know a lot of trumpet players, honestly. Not necessarily. When you say favorite musician or musician that you want to hang out with, you know, who uh, who, who would they be and what would you ask them? For me, it would be Bird, Charlie Parker. Charlie Bird Parker, Gary? Yeah. Yeah, what would you ask him? Well, he's supposed to be a real friendly guy and give good critiques and it would be cool to just play with him and know that you know, I'll never be one percent of as good a player as him, but um, just to get his insight. Yeah, what would you ask though, specifically? I don't know. You have to think about it. <laughs> you have to think about it. It's an icebreaker question, off the top of your head. What other question would you ask? Well, what can I improve on? What can you improve on? You just want to take it full advantage of his wisdom. Yeah. yeah. His wisdom. Clever. Somebody that's a master, you know. Yeah. yeah. Amen. Um, well, this is going to sound super, super nerdy. Um, but if we're talking about any musician who ever lived, I would I really love to go back and have a conversation with, like, just some of the, you know, the great composers, like Bach, you know, and just ask what it's like to lay some of these foundations down. Like, you know, what... What was it that, that you know, inspired him to, to work with progressions the way that he did? And, um, and just, too, some of the, um, just these composers wrote so much music. And, yeah. Um, just, you know, I just want to, you know, ask what that's like. And, and, and just, you know, it was a different world, too. What was it like writing music in that time? And there probably would be some things that I don't want to know <laughs> just you know I mean you know as it is with all historical figures there's always a dark side to to people in general but I just think that that would be really fascinating it'd be cool to talk to someone like Robert Johnson too to just mm -hmm. ask him how do you connect with your emotions when you're in your playing mm -hmm. how does that come out how do you get in touch with that because they were you know he was a master at that right and having his emotion come through his playing for me, I definitely think I would, uh, there's so many guitarists I'd like to meet, I'd go through them one by one, um, but I suppose, this can be kind of a cliche, uh, I would love to go and have had a conversation with Jimi Hendrix, because um, yeah. you see his interviews and everything and how humble he is, but you listen to his music and how effortless it sounds, and despite the complicated stuff that he's doing. And, I would just like to ask him, how do you get it to sound so effortless? Like, what's one of the ways you just make it sound so relaxed, even though you're playing these really complicated lines? Something I always wanted to uh, be able to channel is his uh, effortless delivery. You know, so that's uh, I would go meet Jimi Hendrix, and I would ask him that probably tell you to go to the woodshed. Go to the woodshed. <laughs> yeah. You know, he doesn't strike me as that kind of guy. Jimi Hendrix is just a really laid-back dude. So, what about you, Mac? Well, I feel kind of bad now because all your answers are, like, really deep. and like, yeah, I could learn something from this. But me, it's Tom DeLonge, and I would ask him about the aliens. <laughs> Honestly, I'm not even kidding. Like, he's really into space and, like, extraterrestrial life, and 
I'm there with him. Like, I want to know as much as you know about this. Yeah, he always seems like he knows something that we don't. Yeah, I love Blink-182. He, he's the uh, <laughs> he's guitarist for uh, Blink-182 and uh, Angels and Airwaves. Mm-hmm. Oh. Yeah. You don't know, that's good, though. I mean, I'd be curious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that was mine. Yeah. Cool. Well, thank you for listening. We are Never Monday. This has been Talking Smack. And if you want to hear more, or listen to our music, or see us at a show, our next show coming up <clears throat> is... July 14th, Capital Lake Fair in Olympia. We play from 3 p.m. until 4 p.m. It's a free show, so no cover. Just come down and see us. Have a good time. We'll be playing some new tunes. Check us out at Never Monday Band on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and YouTube. And also, uh, this podcast on Radio Public. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Breaker, Pocket Casts and Anchor Podcasts. Thank you, and we'll see you later.